0: Heavenly Father, open our hearts, open our ears, help us to start this year in a way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome one and all. Welcome to 2023. As David said, we are celebrating communion at the end of the service. If you didn't get the elements there in the back, go ahead and grab one at any time. We're talking about wisdom for the new year. But before we get into all that. I wanted to ask Caleb, I said, Caleb, not everybody got to see the HCC Christmas special. Not everyone has a device. Not everyone was to have the ability to watch. could, Caleb, could you put together maybe a highlight reel for those that might be here that didn't get to watch the wonderful Christmas special. So, Pat, if you go, just a minute or so, Pat, would you go ahead and play that for us? Oh. (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man I'm crying again oh Christmas morning I, I always get up early not just Christmas morning my kids are grown now so they're not there to beat the doors down but I was sitting on the couch 6 a.m. and I totally forgot about the Christmas special to be honest and so I was doing other things It got 6 15 i was like oh there's a Christmas special and so I just went on my phone went to YouTube and oh there it was live streaming and I got 30 seconds right before that I'm like I wonder what David's doing I did not know he's making candy canes in case you didn't know and I was I was crying I was laughing so hard because that was the Christmas special so David, I love you. I love that you were totally cool with leaving that in there, and ah, love it. So wisdom for the new year. Boy, um, there's, there's so much that the Bible's going to have for us in a topic like, okay, we're starting a new year. How do we do that? What does that look like? And so um, I've titled today's sermon Wisdom and Trusting, and if you've got your Bibles and can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, go for it. I'm going to have the passage up on the projection system. I'm also gonna read it along. Um, But anytime you wanna talk about wisdom, you're going to at least look at the wisdom literature, which is a set of um, books in the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes being one of them. And Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, and he fascinates me, uh, especially when we read about the time right after his dad died, God came to Solomon and said, whatever you want, ask me and I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, give me a discerning heart so I can govern your people and discern between right and wrong. Um, And that's a pretty good answer. That wouldn't have been my answer, but it was a good answer. Uh, And God was pleased and he said, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth or stuff or whatever, I'll do what you asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone, there's never have been anyone like you, and there never will be anyone like you. Wow, and that's all in 1 Kings, if you want to check out how that all went down, chapter 3. And then we read about what what happened, from Solomon's reign, the building projects, the palace, the temple, just mind-blowing, amazing things that Solomon accomplished. He expanded the kingdom to the north and to the south trade went everywhere he brought in plants and animals from all over the place he wrote at least a couple of the Psalms most of the Proverbs Ecclesiastes the Song of Solomon obviously and some think he might have even compiled the Book of Job but Solomon didn't say make me wise and don't make me foolish because Solomon was both wise and foolish and even though he wrote in his writings many times the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom with all his wealth everything he had he fell to temptation he married literally tons of foreign women as a way to make treaties with neighboring kings and he worshiped their gods with them you're like really dude and so many think solomon wrote ecclesiastes at the end of his life as both a confession of sin as well as a final word on wisdom the wisdom that comes with hard experience as well as a failure to do what is right and to do what is good and so Solomon is just a weird one. It's like, wow, and uh, wow, uh, it's just It's hard to hold together in your head how he could be that wise and that dumb. Isn't that weird? And so we're going to spend some time in Ecclesiastes today. We're going to look at these verses, and we're going to see this. This is the point I want us to, I want us to work on today. Wisdom does not always work out for us instantly. In this world, but because of the gospel, it ultimately does. And so many people struggle with the facts, the reality that Christianity often doesn't seem to work. Following Jesus just doesn't seem to work. So much evil and suffering in the world that drives some people away from God or at least causes doubt. You get a cancer diagnosis. You get passed over for a promotion. You see that cheaters in your class got an A and you worked really hard and you got a B. Your kids have issues that folks that don't follow Jesus, kids don't have. And a lot of times people can become skeptical and struggle. Well, Solomon has the same problem in Ecclesiastes. He seems to be on the edge of unbelief because of the mess he sees in the world he observes that living by God's wisdom doesn't always work out the faithful often suffer and the wicked often prosper we see that in Scripture and oh don't we see it in life and this is frustrating and so Solomon takes on the role of a skeptic in order to observe the world ask the questions is there meaning in this broken world, and his experience, his experience, and his experiment caused him to conclude that everything's meaningless. He even says that. You're like, really? You put that in the Bible, Solomon? In Ecclesiastes seven through eleven. We're just going to read a piece of that passage. He observes how unjust so many things are, and concludes that everything's absurd. However, instead of this driving him away from God, it actually drives him to God in faith. And so we want to examine what he says today so that during our struggles, we can run to God instead of away from him. Isn't it tempting to run away from him when things don't go our way, even when we believe we've been faithful? So let's be instructed in what wisdom looks like in this meaningless world, a world that's not meaningless when God's involved. And so we've talked about wisdom quite a bit, even in the last year, but I found a good working definition as we see it in the Old Testament from a guy named Daniel Aiken. He said, God has a design for everything in creation. Hmm. And the wisdom literature Calls living according to that design, wisdom. Okay, I've shared longer definitions of wisdom with you from J.I. Packer and others, but this is good. This is The Bible invites us to a life that is in harmony with the world that God has created and in harmony with God himself. That's what we're invited to. As well as we're invited to live a life that's in harmony with the plan that he made to have us be with him for eternity. And so God made the world to work a certain way, and living in harmony with that way looks like wisdom. Ecclesiastes 10.2 just says, walk in the right way. Why? So many times the Bible says, because it will because preserve your life. We're going to even see today that Solomon says, wisdom is protective. Living against God's design is foolishness because it threatens your life, whereas living according to its wisdom leads to an abundant life, not always right now. Okay? We got your juices thinking about what's going on here. Let's read today's passage and note it, and I'd love for you to spend some more time with it this week in your own time, but we're going to read verses 8 through 14, and then we'll dive into what's, what's being said. Verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Verse 9 Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Verse 10. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. We'll look at that. Verse 11. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. Verse 12. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Verse 13 consider the work of god who can make straight what he has made crooked in verse 14 in the day of prosperity be joyful and in the day of adversity consider god has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him And so as we head into 2023, we wanna see what God has for us. We wanna make sure that we're in a posture that is pleasing to God. That said, I saw this on what Ron Sargent has often called the theological wasteland of Facebook, but I got a chuckle out of it. Somebody posted this yesterday. Before I agree to 2023, I wanna read the terms and conditions. (laughs) Don't we feel this? It's like, okay, another year. Uh, Can we kind of see what's up first before we go? But what's at the heart of that? The heart of that is the idea that I'm in control, that I'm the one who's going to define outcomes. And yet everyone, not just those who follow Jesus, know that we are not in control of everything And indeed, we especially aren't in control of the biggest things when we are born, how we die, and many things in between. So given that we are not in control of everything, and indeed we don't even know what tomorrow brings, how do we live? What does the wisdom that the Bible calls us to look like, what does it look like? And so I've got a number of things that I'm going to talk about from today's passage of what wisdom looks like. There's a ton of things we could do an entire year's worth of sermons on wisdom. We're going to take today's passage and break down what Solomon would tell us wisdom looks like. And the first thing that wisdom looks like, wisdom looks like patience. Wisdom looks like patience. Okay, I put this at the beginning so that we could get it right out of the way right out of the get-go, and I don't have to think about it again. Because this is the one that I struggle with without a doubt. Verse 8, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. And so we often view beginnings, new year, New, whatever, a new car, a new job, a new gadget as exciting. And then we often view endings and old things as sad or boring. But Solomon flips all that around when he says, Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. The end of something is better than a beginning. Why? Because it's a known quantity. There are people in this room that thought 2022 was going to be a great year. And they were devastated by it. It's a reality. When something ends, its purpose is complete example you get an appliance whatever a toaster or whatever and you and it breaks and you finally have to throw it away you can say well that served me it did a great job never burned the toast when you buy the new one you don't know whether it'll work you don't know how it'll go so we look back at 2022 with thanks because we know what it was good or bad we're still here That much of God's plan we know. And we look to the new in faith. We look to 2023 in faith, in trust, with patience, with patience. Waiting to see what God will give and what he will bring, rather than an attitude of pride, which says, I got this. 2023 is mine. I'm going to be in control. You see how Solomon is making a real distinction here about the posture we take of patience waiting on God versus pride, we got this. Right? Because we will, we'll even boast about what we haven't done yet. That's how proud we can be. So, wisdom looks like patience. Wisdom also looks like peace. And As we go through these, if you're taking notes, or if you're just taking mental notes, think about one or two of them that you might want to press into this year to, to become someone that one could say, I've become more wise. Wisdom looks like peace. Verse 9. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger lodges in the heart of fools. So sadly, many of us are not just provoked to anger, but quickly. It's it's like a it's like a switch. We'll very quickly take offense with how those around us live, or how they treat us, or how we want things to be. And instead of showing love and care, instead of following Christ's example, we strike back in anger with words and sometimes actions. And this does not just happen outside the church. It often occurs within the church. People will take, take offense with leaders or just other people here. They do not like the way something is said. They get angry. It happens quickly. And then as opposed to dealing with it biblically, what happens a lot of times is gossip and division among believers. And we've spent so much time talking about unity and how that is a danger to that guys, this place should be the most peaceful place on earth. And yet, it seems to be one of those things we put in the back corner, So, well, okay, once I'm over it and I've got to apologize, then everything will be caught." No, 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 no. Our posture needs to be one of patience and peace and slow to become angry. So wisdom looks like patience. It looks like peace. Here's what wisdom does not look like. It does not look like pining for the old days. Okay? It doesn't. Verse 10. Say not. Why were the former days better than these? I love how Solomon puts it. For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. But we do pine for the old days. And when we do, we are remembering with a very selective memory. And we sound like Archie and Edith Bunker. Yes! A whole bunch of you don't have any idea who that is. Go do your homework. Actually, I think the show has probably been long canceled by now, there's probably not much you could read, you could watch it, but today, but they would sit on the piano bench and go, those were the days, and Edith's voice, you'll never forget it if you heard it. We remember what we liked, and we try to forget what we didn't. Some things about the old days were not better. World War II was not better. Korea, Vietnam, the depression, civil unrest just Solomon in chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes also said this he said what has been will be again and what has been done will be done again There is nothing new under the Sun In case you're wondering that's a biblical quote when you hear it. There's nothing new under the Sun Every age has its good things and it's bad things special blessings as well as hardships It's been that way since the very beginning, when God pronounced His creation very good, and then sin entered the world. And with sin, all kinds of hardship came along. As long as the earth stands, this is what the Bible tells us. As long as the earth stands, we will see the blessings of God and the goodness of His world on the one hand, and sin and corruption and weakness of human nature on the other. That is how we're going to live. And so for good, we know where to look. Look back to our God who made all things good in the beginning. Sin entered the world. He promised to send his only son to crush the serpent's head. And to be that child that is born, the son that is given and we've, we looked at over Christmas. to Be our light in the middle of the darkness. This is what we've celebrated. When we look back at the good old days, we should be thankful for the blessings. When we look back at challenges and hardships, the response should be the same. Thanks that he brought us through. When we look at our own times, we should be realistic. There are blessings and hardships in our time. Just as there were in any other. But boy, isn't it tempting? The 90s were awesome. joke we live with blessings and hardships it is the nature of things until God takes us home wisdom looks like patience wisdom looks like peace wisdom does not look like pining for the old days and wisdom involves knowledge wisdom involves knowledge they are not the two the two are not the same Verse 12, for the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Wisdom preserves the life of the one who has knowledge. And so I've got a quote from Spurgeon I put to follow, because just to help us understand what's being said here. Spurgeon says this, he says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Nice simple explanation. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. As Spurgeon never really minced words. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. This is what Solomon is saying. Spurgeon's backing him up. So wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Go into the woods with David Fry to know how to be wise in which mushrooms you're going to eat. Because if you go into the woods to eat mushrooms with me, you will die. It, okay, do you... This is a really, really simple example. David really knows his mushrooms. David obviously, however, does not know his peppermint extract. Right? And we saw, if you don't know how much peppermint extract you can handle, if you don't know what it's comprised of, if you don't know what it might do to your sinuses, bad things can happen that make People laugh and cry at the same time. And I'll give you homework. I was chatting with Pat Garrett before uh, the sermon and she said that in the hospital where she used to work as a nurse for many, many years, they used peppermint extract uh, to good effect. And I asked, well, how did, and she told me and I'm not gonna share it as part of the sermon. So if you wanna know, go talk to her. Do you see how it matters knowing? Knowledge is important. So, my counsel never stop learning. Never stop learning. If wisdom is living in harmony with God and His world, then never stop learning about God and His world. He made it a certain way, and He's taught us through His word how to live in a certain way okay, sounds good. You want a place to start? David talked about HCU. We've got some classes coming up. Sign up for them. Be a part. And you always want to be learning. Always want to be learning. Knowledge. The advantage of knowledge, Solomon says, is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Hmm. Okay. So wisdom looks like patience. Hope you're following along. Wisdom looks like peace. Wisdom does not look like pining for the old days. And wisdom involves knowledge. And wisdom looks like understanding brokenness. Understanding brokenness. Verse 13, Solomon says, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he's made crooked? After the fall, God made everything crooked, to use Solomon's term. You can read about it in Genesis. And Solomon says, who can make it straight? And we look in Scripture for ways that that we can help to understand this, Joseph was hauled across the desert with a rope around his neck, most likely went from a treasured son to a prisoner and a slave. And then even when God worked through all that and delivered his people from bondage and, they, and he came to dwell among them, as we've, we studied this, we look through the Pentateuch, grumbling and bitterness seemed to be the just over and over and over again. But the promised land's coming and everything will be fine when we get to the promised land, right? Surely, paradise would be great. People still pressed into idolatry. It was still crooked. In Solomon's own day, when the people ate and drank and were happy, in First Kings chapter 4, it even says, each man under his own fig tree. Things were wonderful. There were still tears at funerals, marriages that struggled, kids that made their parents lose their minds. And we even see the selfishness of two women fighting over a child. Since the fall, life has been crooked. And Solomon asked, who can fix it? Who can fix it? The people of Israel had the wisest man who ever lived as their king. Surely Solomon could fix it. Nope. Despite all of his wisdom, his heart turned from God. Wisdom of Aristotle, the power of Alexander the Great. We see all kinds of attempts. The Romans had an era of peace, science or philosophy, or education. Does it any of it fix it? No. None of it fixes the brokenness. None of it fixes the crookedness. And so fighting God is a senseless waste of effort. We share the hopelessness that Solomon's initial audience must have felt at his words. If even Solomon can't make straight what God has made crooked we're doomed to a life of injustice crookedness sadness and so who can make straight what God has made crooked I love that Solomon asked the question who can make straight what God made crooked the answer is only God it's what he promised in the exact same breath when he spoke of enmity that the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. So I love the fact that the pain, and I hope you're hearing this, the pain, brokenness, and crookedness of life ultimately became the way that God would use to have his son unjustly nailed to the cross so that atonement might be made for us and the crooked set straight. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The crooked set straight. And then Paul goes nuts on this idea and says that all things are working together for good. For those that love the Lord are called according to his purpose all things includes the crookedness the brokenness and the injustice that we're used to and those things that we complain about Solomon tells us to consider the work of the Lord he's doing something he's the only one that can straighten the crookedness okay so wisdom looks like patience wisdom looks like peace Wisdom does not look like pining for the old days. Wisdom involves knowledge. And wisdom looks like understanding brokenness. And finally, wisdom looks like trusting God. Verse 14. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. Not a hard one for us. Things are going good we're fine and in the day of adversity consider god made them both so that man may not find out anything that will be after him god has made the one as well as the other in other places in god's word we are assured that god has a purpose for both the good days and the bad days Joseph even said it to his brothers, and it's just one of the finest examples in scriptures, after they pretty much just about killed him. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil. It couldn't have been more crooked. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What? What? In the day of adversity, consider God has made as the one as well as the other. God made the days where Joseph was living, happy, getting gifts from his father as the most favorite son. And God also made the day where he was in a pit waiting for traitors to come take him to be a slave. Ooh. And if this doesn't fit in your theology, well, we need to spend more time in the word. God has made the one as well as the other. Ooh. Do you remember Esther? She was living in one of the hardest of times. She was a Jew living in Persia, and one of the king's advisors got irritated with her uncle and had the king issue a decree to kill every single Jew in Persia. And truly, it was the worst of times and the hardest of times for Esther. Can you imagine where she was when she heard that decree and how her heart must have sunk? But Esther's uncle told her, who knows but that you have come to royal position For such a time as this. Mm. Sure, it may be a hard time. There may be some hard work that God wants you to do. Sure, the people of the world look like they're stumbling around in darkness. Sometimes we feel like we are. But what did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, I'm the light of the world. And then he said, you know what? You're the light of the world. He told his followers, you're the light of the world. We see darkness everywhere. We're to be The light of Christ, that still shines. And we heard more about that at Christmas Eve. So as we close 2022, knowing God had a plan, and some of you are sitting in your chairs going, Steve, you have no idea. And you're absolutely right, I don't. All I can tell you is that God has not lost his hand of control over this universe. He hasn't. And that is where our hope needs to be, not in the situation we find ourselves in right now. And that is not an easy place to get to, and I'm not telling you to go there now, I'm telling you to press into God, press into his word, press into Jesus to see what he has for you, even in the midst of amazing challenges that you never thought you'd experience. Through all the ups and downs God has provided Some of those downs were tough. We have to give him thanks. We opened 2023 not knowing what lies ahead. We do not know what lies ahead. We just don't. I don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. But it's true. Solomon's final word to us, and this man may not find out anything. That will be after him the niv said it this way no one can discover anything about their future we do know that god has a plan he's our dwelling place through all generations it says in psalm 90 so we go into the new year trusting god firmly holding on to what we do know we try to hold on to a lot of things we don't know we need to hold on to what we do know We know that we have a faithful God, amen? Okay, last week we heard, to you is born a savior, Christ the Lord. We know that his word in the Psalms, it teaches us to pray, my times are in your hands. Can we say that? Can we say that to God like David did? My times are in your hands. As long as everything goes okay, my times in your hands. As soon as it goes south, guess what? I want those back. That is how we roll. When we groan and say why were the old days so much better than these or we feel pessimistic about the future. Isn't it really deep down? We want to say my times are in my hands. We do. When we think we're in control, when we make our plans and think they're as certain as if they're written in granite, we are in for a big disappointment. So little is under our control. There's not a lot we can do, but trust the one who made the heavens and the earth, who is our only helper, who gives us assurance and has shown us what we need to know of his plan. God has shown us what we need to know of his plan. Whatever happens, he is our God. Christ is our savior. We are his people. And so view the passing of time with those promises in mind wherever you find yourself. So I wanna go back to our earlier point. Wisdom does not always work out for us instantly in this world, but because of the gospel, it ultimately does. God has made the world and he's made you and he's designed it to work a certain way. We have so much to learn, so much to press into to live a life of wisdom but whatever happens i'm going to say it again he is our god christ is our savior we are his redeemed people view the passing of time and this new year with those promises in mind so wisdom looks like patience wisdom looks like peace wisdom does not look like pining for the old days wisdom involves knowledge And wisdom looks like understanding brokenness. And wisdom looks like trusting God. And along that theme of trusting God, we're going to celebrate communion now. Again, if you didn't get the elements, they're in the back. We're going to celebrate communion with just a basic theme of trusting in God's wisdom. Trusting in God's wisdom. If you're here today and you're not familiar with The word we throw around is called the gospel. The gospel begins with an idea that, yes, everything is broken and we're broken. Our hearts don't work right. You don't have to look far to see that. And that brokenness really creates a rift between us and God a, a rift that's really uncrossable by us. But God in his love sent his only son to die on a cross so that we could be made right for Him. with him. And so what are we doing in communion? We are remembering, that's what we're doing. We're remembering, we're reminding ourselves and we're told to do it often in scripture. We're reminding ourselves that yes, things are broken God sent his son to make everything right. Because it's really easy to spend our time in this world, looking at this world, focusing on it, and becoming very disheartened. And Jesus said, no, no, no. As long as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. You need to remember. Because if you don't remember, trust me, it'll be easy to forget. And we lose hope. so if you're not someone that has put their trust in christ to make you right with god i would challenge you to press into that see me see david see many here who would love to chat with you but this communion is not for you because it's a remembrance of something um that doesn't have meaning for you if you are a believer if you're someone who's put your trust in god who when your judgment day shows up and you go, I got nothing but Jesus. Tim Keller said this, he said, he said, if our greatest treasure, communion with the living God, if that's safe, if that's safe, what can we ultimately be afraid of? If our communion with God is safe, and it is because of Jesus. What can we ultimately be afraid of? And so as we head into the elements, I want to go to 1 Corinthians. Um, I'm not going to have it up here except for that one excerpt there. But 1 Corinthians 1, verses 22 through 24, listen to how Paul talks about how we try to fix things. Paul says, For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and listen, Christ, the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. You will never get to the bottom of that. But it's beautiful. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so when I say we can trust in God's wisdom, we can trust in Jesus Christ. And so as we get the bread out and ready, further on in 1 Corinthians, Paul said the following in 1 Corinthians 11. In that same passage, verse 25, Paul goes on to describe, says, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul continues and says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, what you're doing is you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Why are we proclaiming the Lord's death? Because he came to fix what was crooked. So as we begin 2023, Psalm 90, verse 12 says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. James also says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should pray. And there's a promise in God's word, God will give it. And so as we head into the new year, I pray that our hearts will seek after God, will seek after his wisdom, and will ask him for it. So, if the singers and musicians come up, that's exactly what we'll do. Dear Heavenly Father, every single one of us today has been challenged, has been convicted for how much we put our trust in this world, how much we put our trust in what we can do, how much we put our trust in what we can accomplish. Well, Solomon tested all that and found it meaningless. And so, Lord, we're here in front of you today saying that, yeah, in view of the cross, in view of what you've done for us, anything we do is meaningless. And so we do. We seek your wisdom. We seek the ability to live life the way that you designed it. We seek to live a life that's in harmony with your heart, with your world, and how you've created us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, help us, but may we begin this year seeking your heart, seeking what you would have for us in each and everything that we do, in Jesus' name, amen.